podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise. For your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Come on, boys. The Bosco boys are back. Um, part two of the Q&A. Welcome back, Scott. Hey, it feels good to be back, Grant, even if it's a couple days later. A couple days later, we were hacked by the Russians. They took out our almost an entire hour, probably over an hour of our audio. It's bastards. Yeah, Cold it's War, frickin- part two. Yeah, I mean, Putin, you know, first you try to come after the election, and now the pure sanctity of Bosco's boys. When will the madness stop? It, it's never going to stop. And I guess we should probably just mentally prepare ourselves right now because we might lose this again. There's a chance. There is a chance. So we might yeah. have to re-record for another time, but let's hope not. Let's hope not. Let's not. And uh, let's kind of jump into it before we get into the meat of this uh, Q&A pod. We got a basketball commit that we were hoping we were going to get. We touched on a little bit the last time, but Austin Trice, a uh, – rebounding machine from Wabash College, a JUCO transfer. Uh, I think that came through yesterday, didn't it? Yes, I believe so, yesterday being Saturday. Yes, yesterday. Yeah, this is uh, Sunday, April. What is it? I don't even know. I've lost all tra- – I lose all track of time. I think it's like the uh, 8th. Yeah, April 8th. It is uh, Kevin McFarland's birthday. Shout out to Kevin McFarland. Pop yeah. McFarland. Shout out to Ke- – yeah, he a uh, big listener of the pod. He's not on Twitter, so he can't submit any questions. But I want to give one big uh, happy birthday shout-out to him. Uh, so it's snowing here in Kansas City, Missouri on this April 8th. So when uh, you go back and listen to this after we've become world famous, uh, you know, gears down the line, just know that global warming has sent us snow on April 8th. Uh, but, Austin right. Tri- yep, but Austin Trice, we'll get back to him just real quick. He was the rebounder per game leader in JUCO this year. Uh, The recruiting uh, sites had him as one of the top five best JUCO transfers for this class, the number one power forward. I think he's going to play some of the five and a little bit of the four for us. Uh, You know, it's exciting to get one of these guys who it looks like all he wants to do is rebound and dunk, something that I'm excited to see. I agree. I don't know all that much about him, but – it sure seems like he was pretty much our top target for this point in time, so uh, that's an exciting get for us. Uh, should add some athleticism down low that we desperately need, so should be good for us. Yep, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, you know we won't waste too much more time. We do have a beer of the pod brought back from Topeka, Kansas. I think the uh, first brewery you and I ever were at together, good old Happy Bassett Brewery in Topeka, Kansas, their purebred porter, which is on tap all around Topeka, and probably one of their best beers. It's a perfect roasty porter for this snowy weather we're having in April. That's right. And we're both from Topeka, but I don't think I'm biased in saying that this is one of the better breweries around. They have oh, oh yes. very quality beer and a really good uh, profile of beer, which is it's always typically pretty unique. But Yeah, I, I don't, be, I don't think there's... 
Yeah, I don't think there's much, uh, you know, controversy in saying this. I think they're the best brewery in Northeast Kansas, uh, especially since all these Kansas City breweries are land on the Missouri side. You know, a lot of people will talk about freestating some of the stuff in Lawrence, but, you know, if you're ever in Topeka, really give them a chance, and I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. They have a, an elite profile and a lot of good beers. Yeah, not much going on in Topeka, but if you're in Topeka – Definitely swing by Happy Bassett. Um, yes. All right, let's dive into the question, Scott. You take the first one, number number one. Yep, number one in part two of this April pod. Uh, hate to kind of start on a downer, but uh, this first yeah. one from Matt Martizzini. Martizzini, he's Italian. I don't really know, but uh, <laughs> if you could change the result of one pass K-State loss to a win, which would you choose? Grant, I'll let you start. Well, to be different, I'm going to avoid the obvious answers, um, which would which would be 98 A&M, which would put us into probably, well, definitely the national title. Um, but I'm just going to I'm going to avoid that, and I'm going to choose something different. I'm going to go with uh, Butler Elite Eight 2010. I would have loved to see that oh. team go to the Final Four. Um, probably even more than this year's team um, just because I, I loved that team so much. Not that I don't love this team, but it had Poland. It had all the boys on it. All of the legendary players that have made such massive names for themselves, it would have been nice to see them in a Final Four. But uh, that's that's my choice. 2010, Butler. I would have loved to beat them. Yeah, that uh, that's my number one on the basketball list. Uh, you know, I, I have a handful. I think number one, you touch on it. You said you didn't want to be like everyone else. But my number one really is that 98 game. Yeah. We would have been in the national title. I have zero doubt we would have won that game. And winning that in 98, you know, I think that changes the trajectory of the program. Yes, it catapulted us into a really great run back in the late 90s, early 2000s. But winning that national championship, not being on this laundry list of programs in college football who almost got there, but being in that elite group of, uh, you know, schools that have won a national championship, that could have changed everything. Of course, 2012, you know, Baylor, that devastating loss, you know. I was ready to go to Miami. Uh, That would have – that's another one that just still crushes me to this day. I, I, I think my – I don't know if my fandom has ever been as high since that day. I think a little part of me truly did die. Me too. Oh, <laughs> goodness. Uh, I agree with you. My basketball, my number one is 2010 uh, versus Butler. You know, there's a ton of losses in the history of K-State basketball. But, you know, we're alive for it. We're, I mean, that's right before we go to college. Uh, you know, still around peak fandom. That one was just devastating. I, I saw that on the boardwalk in Chicago at Harry Carey's Sports Bar and Grill, and I just walked out of there after that and almost missed my bus to go to a choir competition. I feel uh, like the 2010 season oof. was so special because it was like the first real basketball that was successful that we got to see, so it made it that much more fun to get into because it was like, wow, basketball is actually here. It's finally here at K-State. So it was sad yeah. to crash out. And yeah, we would be remiss to not mention 2012 Baylor for football because I think we win the title if we get there too against Notre Dame. 
And of course, we got Loyola this year. That would have been awesome. Being there would have been so cool to see us cut yeah. down the nets. But those are so my choices. Games. Yep, I have a couple honorable mentions I just kind of want to toss in there because, you know, I, those are all the headline losses, especially for those of our age. But I think there are a few that are sneaky that people forget. Both 97 and 99 Nebraska, mm-hmm. those are, those are one-loss seasons for us. If we find a way to win those, I mean – you could be looking at a potential mini dynasty if everything falls right in that 97 to 98, 99. Uh, and then following up the very next year, two losses versus Oklahoma in the same year, that epic home game that didn't go our way. And then another loss to them in Arrowhead. Yeah, that was an Arrowhead. 2000. Yeah, I was there yeah. for both of them. Oh, God. Just uh, crushing two losses. Uh, 02 versus Colorado beat them. Another gross game. Uh, you end up in the championship game, 2011 versus OU. Mm-hmm. You know, coming into that game, it was just skull crush. I mean, they just beat us down. But if you win that, all of a sudden, you're going into the next week versus Oklahoma State undefeated. You only lose that one by possession. Who knows what happens? But that also would have given us a share of that Big 12 title. Yeah. Another game that would have given us a share of the Big 12 title, Baylor in 2014. Another, you know, trophy, and it takes it away from them. Uh, you know, just just some other football crushing losses. Basketball, we already kind of touched on it. Uh, Butler, Loyola, Chicago. Another one, the 2013 game versus KU at home. It was a close game. It was a fun game. We lost that. That could have given us an outright title. Uh, looking back at that 2011 game versus Wisconsin, that knocked Jacob Pullen out. That was His dreadful. career's done. And then that would have lined up to have – a rematch with Butler, uh, and you know they end up in the championship game again that year. <laughs> so that could have, you know, again could have been us. We'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, throw it out there. Some games we weren't alive for, but that 1988 game versus KU in the Elite Eight. If we win that, what what do the two programs look like today? I don't know. That honestly oh. changed it all, probably. Yeah, and then of course 1951 versus Kentucky national title. I mean, you snap your fingers, you can you can turn one loss into a win. That gives us a title. The banner's hanging. You know, it's, uh, you know, maybe changes a lot of stuff. But uh, a lot of really soul-crushing losses in the history of K-State sports. Yeah, I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot more in the future. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the glory of being a K-State fan. Just just wait wait a while. And All the lows. Another soul crusher. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't even talk about some of the games that we hype up like crazy and lose i mean you think about auburn at home that vanderbilt yeah. game on the road i mean that those don't even you know make it into you know the top 20 and those are also if you think back on it you just want to throw up but yeah we should move uh, on because i'm getting yes, starting to get pissed yes. off Let, let's let's go to some more fun stuff from uh our good buddy sl keck and i love this one how many times in bruce weber's life has he used hot sauce <laughs> I actually did this. Uh, I did a mathematical. All right, I'm I'm coming at this with a mathematical approach. I think Bruce crushes hot sauce on a daily basis at least three times a day. And if he started that, let's say he started at age 16, crushing hot sauce, he's up to about 49,000 times he's had hot sauce. And that's just a. I think that's a pretty conservative, conservative, conservative guess because I think he's. He's he's got hot sauce literally in every meal and maybe maybe on the side when he's just hanging out. The man is a hot sauce fiend. So I actually believe it or not, I'm not that far off of you. 
but I think it's very specific. I think he loves to have green chili sauce with his eggs every morning. I think Bruce has a morning routine. He wakes up, he cooks some eggs. He, he does a little variety. Sometimes he'll go scrambled. Sometimes he'll go easy over. Sometimes he makes a quick little omelet with some bell peppers, but he always throws in some super tasty green chili sauce in there. So I think our guy Bruce, I think he likes, you know, a spicy profile, and that's something that I don't think everyone knows about him. I don't think he feels even remotely alive unless he's got ghost pepper sauce in his mouth. That's my Oof. thought. Man, ghost pepper sauce. Man, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I, I would. I'd be willing to bet a lot of money. Our guy Bruce likes likes a little bit of a kick with his meals. Have you ever uh, had ghost pepper sauce? I have not. I Jesus. I like it. I like it spicy and. Uh, I accidentally a... had it one time, and it was oh, like no. it was like it took like two hours for it to go away. It was dreadful. I I I am right there with my, our guy Bruce. I do love green chili sauce on almost everything. It's phenomenal. Uh, that's like my go-to. Uh, you know, if anyone has any great hot sauce recommendations, be sure to send it to us on Twitter at Bosco's Boys, <laughs> or leave it in the rating and review section on iTunes. Let's hear it. What's your favorite type of hot sauce? All right, next so, question. Yeah, we'll get to at Blake Morris. At what point in the season did you start believing in Bruce? And how long of a leash does he have after this season? Grant, what are your take? Well, my take this season was it, it initially started with some ups and downs. I remember being like absolutely livid when we lost to Tulsa. And I was like just so, so fire Bruce at that point. It was, I didn't think there was any coming back. But after a while, we started playing some good basketball. Um, I think I kind of got on board around the TCU Lavender game time or maybe at Baylor time. Um, and as as far as, as long, how long does a leash does he have? He's got a pretty pretty damn long leash at this point. And unless the wheels completely fall off again or the program tends to bottom out, we get a lot of transfers. Um, Bruce is pretty pretty safe for quite a while, I would say. What do you think? Yeah. I agree with everything that you said. The build-up to that TCU game, knowing we were about to break out those Lavenders, uh, me and the birthday boy, Kevin McFarlane, we went down to Bramlage, got there early, got in our seats. We saw them break out those Lavenders, that throwback game. And from that moment on, I I think I was 100% on board. I was hooked. You know, they looked like a Kansas State team that you could just fall in love with. And, uh, you know, it was no turning back for me. Uh, you know, how long of a leash does he have? I think you said it best. I don't, I mean, I think he's walking without a leash, assuming that there isn't some sort of off season collapse. Uh, I think he's walking without a leash. I think you maybe have to put him back on a leash if you have some unexpected non-con losses, but you know, unless you see a collapse and you're missing postseason play, missing the tournament, you know, I don't think he has to worry about it at all. I, I, Gene Taylor went on the record with our, friend Kellis Robinette saying that they're working on a contract extension, getting them some more years. I think Bruce, you know, at least for the time being is sitting very pretty. I would agree. He's safe for quite a while. <clears throat> so stay, staying on the uh, Bruce tr- uh, question train. Uh, we got two questions back to back from big Al 034. 
Uh, you know, he wins the golden dog bone of this Q&A pod, getting three <laughs> questions into the two-part episode. So the first one is, as both of you were part of the Burn It Down movement, and then he quotes numerous statements on Twitter, both of us saying that we wanted Bruce Fire, not supporting the team until he leaves, Bruce Hay, etc. And now we're both on the Bruce train. What happens on for the Hoops team slash Bruce to get you back to firing him? Like I said, I feel like we already just kind of touched on that. Unless the wheels fall off the program, we get a mass exodus of players, and we have another like two seasons where we have 33 losses, like we did a few years back. Um, it's going to take. It's basically going to take that. I mean, if we or if we miss the tournament a couple years in a row, then I won't be very happy. But I think Bruce is. I'm I'm supporting Bruce at this point. I mean. It just takes too much energy to be have that negativity. I'm trying to enjoy it as best as I can. So I'm I'm gonna back Bruce for a while. Yeah, I I agree with you 100. Uh, we both kind of touched what it would take for us to fall off. I don't see that happening. Uh, when he came in, and even after the Big 12 season, I was not fully on board with Bruce. But I think it just it it, it took more effort to be on that bandwagon than it does to just fall back in love with K-State basketball again. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm As a fan, I'm always going to do what I feel is best for the program. And if it gets to the point where I have to withhold my financial support again, then I, I'll do it. But I don't see that happening. I think Bruce has righted the ship. I think we have an amazing team coming back. I have okay. faith in him being able to bring in some quality recruits in the following class. Uh, you know, I just – I don't think it's ever going to get to that point again. But, you know, if it bottoms out, then I really hope that we don't have to have this civil war and that Gene just takes care of business. But God willing, we'll never have to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, and then Big Al, he asked one more question. Uh, and this is we, – we can use generics. We can use K-State as an example. But he asked, I want to hear you two addressing the issues of how long does a coach – get when it comes to a turnaround college basketball or college football he says we can use k-state as an example or anything we want so you know it's pretty open-ended grant where do you fall on that uh, line of giving a coach time for turnarounds it depends for me obviously on the team on the situation but i'll just kind of be blunt i'd say basketball the program you got three years if you're not turning anything around then you should be out football it's a little bit different you about three to five years. Um, depends on the resources that you have. You know, if you're in, if you're coming into K State of old or you know KU today, you probably need five years to build build your program and change the culture, um, get the players that you want. But if you're, I don't know, it's 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 a tough situation because what is what year is Beatty in? Four? Is he approaching his yeah, fourth year? Beatty's in like Beatty? three or four. Yeah, Beatty. I think he's in his fourth. His he's going into his fourth this next season. So I don't know if I would keep him around after this. Cause I said three, three to five years. Realistically, I would say Beatty probably need, does need five years, but we have seen, have you seen any real improvement for KU after three years? Probably I would say no. So uh, it, it, you got to just kind of look at it, look at every case differently uh, for him. I, I might be thinking about moving on from Beatty if I'm KU, but it's it's all it's all really subjective at this point. What do you think? Yeah, I think 
I think you put it real well. When it comes to basketball, at least if you're at a power five level, I'm not going to get into the mid-majors or anything like that. But at a power five level, especially at a school that gives even half an ounce of effort into being a, like putting a basketball team on the floor, <clears throat> three years, if you're not in the tournament, if you're not showing you know, postseason aspirations after three years, you need to go. Basketball, you can literally turn an entire roster over in three years without any sort of issue. In basketball, you can bring in one or two major recruits and then your entire outlook on the season can change. Just look at Missouri this past year. You know, they went from being just abysmal to getting a couple recruits in, one of which Michael Porter Jr. hardly played at all, and they're back in the tournament. You can do that in basketball. You can do a complete overhaul, rebuild in basketball, three years, no effort. Football, like you said, it's a little different. If you're coming into a situation, take what Ron Prince did. You know, he came in with some real talent. The scholarship numbers weren't ideal, but it wasn't horrible. Uh, after year three, you kind of saw what the program was going to do. I think I probably would have given him one more year. I know that's sacrilegious. Stop it now. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm moving on from it. But if you look at, you know, when Snyder first came in, what David Beatty took over, I think you have to just say we're giving we're going to give you a five year contract, but a easily buyoutable contract around year four. Because I think if you don't if you don't see anything by year four, you you need to see some results. Not maybe not a bowl game, maybe not flirting with a winning record, but you have to start truly competing with peer programs after year four. Uh, and if you're not if you're not a bowl team after year five. Uh, there, there, you cannot make any sort of excuse. You have to be gone. I agree. Is it my turn? Yep, it's time for you to start asking some of these great questions. Uh, okay, this is from at R-Y-N-J-G-R-Y. What's that guy's name? You know him. Uh, Ryan Yeager. Ryan Yeager, that's right. Ryan Yeager. Okay, how much of the 2718 uh, success do you attribute to Shane Southwell being on the staff? You know, I, I don't know if there's any way you can put a number on the wins or anything like that, but I think there is some intrinsic value to having a true bridge between the players and the coaches in that GA spot. He's a guy who played under Bruce. He's still relatively young. He's the fresh prince of Manhattan. You know, I'm sure he helped input uh, game plans. I think he probably scrimmages with the guys. I think there's a lot of value in there. Plus, as a super adorable cat. I think he helped, you know, <laughs> pass that on to Barry and the boys and, you know, show them it's okay to have a little personality. So I, I really am glad Shane South was a part of this. I agree. You pretty much nailed exactly what I was going to say. Um, I don't know how much, you know, coaching he actually does from his position or how much influence he really has in terms of, you know, coaching. But I, I think there is definitely value in having – an ex-player, especially one that played under Bruce on on the staff to, like you said, kind of bridge that and helping kind of helping people adjust to, you know, the culture and balancing balancing their life outside of basketball and inside of basketball. So I agree. Um, all right, next question. This is at D S W O I D Swoy. Yep. What is your timeline for burning down Bramlage and erecting a field house in its place? <laughs> Uh, uh, just a little, I'm going to go on a little mini rant here. 
folks need to give up this romanticized image of Ahern Fieldhouse and just move on. Uh, I get it. There were some real special moments in there. Uh, it was a, it was, you know, architecturally a very beautiful building, but fact of the matter is even if the team underperformed inside Ahern, you still had empty seats. Having a good looking building isn't going to solve any true issues that I'll grant you with Bramlage Coliseum. I think you, if you're looking at spending money on a basketball arena, I think you spend it on renovating Bramlage, adding some more boxes above, above sections, cleaning up the concourse, uh, you know, those type of things. I really love Bramlage Coliseum. I think we see it one game a year. It is the loudest, most intimidating, and best arena for college basketball in the nation. And in its heyday, and I think we're going to get back to it. You saw how and it, it could happen more than once a season. It gets loud. It gets rowdy. It gets hostile. And that's something I think we need to embrace. And also, if someone won a billion-dollar lottery, they wouldn't blow Bramlage up. They'd probably you know, move it over by the rec fields or something. So that's my take. What do you think about this question? Again, I agree. It's time for us to embrace Bramlage or re-embrace Bramlage or whatever you want to say. Um, if, if we're going to do anything with a basketball arena, it's that we need to just renovate it. I mean, let's make it, it's, it's pretty boring and it's not a very pretty arena, but we could fix it up. Um, also it's like you said at its peak, probably top five, if not the best and loudest, most intimidating arena, at least one night a year, but even near its peak, it's it's a great arena and we need to embrace that. We need to, what we need to do is change our basketball culture and kind of get, get the basketball culture ingrained in our brains again. Um, because the guys need us. They need to, we need to fill out Bramlage more than we do. And, um, I think we should, before even worrying about the field house or worrying about if it's our arena, it's not our arena. It's the fans. When the fans show up, it's a great arena. And we need to, we need to embrace that because, Fan support absolutely matters, as we have found out this year. Um, Mr. Lowry <laughs> said on the said on the coffee coffee with Chris, we coach the shit out of these guys, and you know they 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 take note of of the fans and whether they're there or not. So we need to re embrace our basketball culture, and not stop worrying about Bramlage because it's great. We've got a massive student section; it's it's freaking awesome. We need to embrace it. That's my take too. I agree with you. Moving on. Yep. Can you hear me? <laughs> okay. Yep. 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 All right. Um, this is get at meme. <laughs> if when we as a conference folds, talking about the Big Twelve, where's K State going, and what sort of hypothetical situations play out with that, and or my personal life question, what are some conspiracy theories you guys believe? You can take this. Yep. So. Uh... We'll start off with that Big 12 conference uh, question. First off, I do not think the Big 12 conference is going to fold. I think the mainstream sports media wants wants the Big 12 to fold because they like having everything in their nice, neat little geographical uh, corners. 
They like having to only worry about the Big Ten in the Midwest, your Southeast with the Southeast Conference, and then the ACC taking up the Northeast with, you know, ignoring the Pac-12 playing at 12 o'clock midnight. I don't think anything's going to happen. I think the Big 12 is safe. They're making more money than the ACC and the Pac-12. So I think all that is overblown. But if something were to happen, if Texas were to decide to go independent, or if Oklahoma goes to the Big Ten and then everything collapses, if something like that happens, K-State's fine. I think they probably end up in that Pac-12 conference. They expand east. Because fact of the matter, if you're going to this ultra four-team 16 team or four conference 16 team uh, teams in each conference k-state's going to be included the pac-12 with their liberal institutions are not going to take two tiny secular universities in tcu and uh, baylor they're just not going to happen uh you know we're going to be safe i think everything will work out but i think the big 12 is going to be around for the long haul uh conspiracy wise uh i don't i'm there i'm not real big into conspiracies i think the only one that i truly in my heart of heart believe i think michael jordan got busted for gambling and the nba told him hey you can either take a year-long suspension out of the game or you can do this fake retirement and he chose to do that and pretend to play baseball for a while so those are my only the only conspiracy i subscribe to so what are your thoughts on conference armageddon and conspiracy theories I think you nailed that on the conference realignment. We're going to be fine. Um, conspiracy wise, I'm just going to ask you: What do you think about al- what do you think about aliens, Scott? So I don't know if my take on aliens makes puts me in it being a conspiracy or not. I guess I don't know what the given thought about aliens are. I think there are aliens, and I think they've, you know, I think they've traveled to Earth. Uh, I don't know if that makes, yeah, I know. I <laughs> see. I, I'm, you and I, I have talked about this, so I don't know if that's me being a conspiracy theorist or not. What's your take on this? Cause I know I we've talked about aliens. it off the pod. I believe in aliens. Absolutely. There's gotta be other life out there. It's just too, there's too, it's too vast for it not to be, but I don't think they've visited earth. I just don't. I think it's anything that we've ever seen or have record of is just government testing of aircraft or something. And I've, de- I've seen a UFO. I've got a story. I've got a UFO story. I, but, I think you should share it on the pod real quick. Well, okay. So I saw it with my mom and my dad. We were hanging out on our deck. It was in the summer. I think I was in high school. Um, but it just looked like a – it was blue sky. It looked like a star, essentially, like a white dot. And it was just like about as – I would say, I don't know, as high as you would see, like a jet plane, 30,000-plus feet, about the size of a jet that you see flying over, but it just looked like a star, like a little white dot. And it was just like unbelievably fast. And it was like shooting across the sky and then it would disappear. And then all of a sudden it would come back. It was crazy. I have no idea what it was. It was, it was wild, but I don't think it was an alien. Well, I want all the, uh, the boneheads out there, all you Bosco's boys fans, let us know what you think about aliens. Tell us your your conspiracy theories. Also, yes. Tell us any conspiracy theories. I'm going to know what you people believe, so I know how smart our fans are or aren't. I feel like there's definitely more out there that I could probably talk about, but I don't, I can't, nothing's coming to mind at the moment. Yeah, I'm not passionate about anything. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, this is from our friend of the pod, an ex player, at Brogan underscore Barry18. This is Brogan Barry. I like this question <clears throat> Power rank fan bases in the Big 12. And I'll go ahead. You can go ahead and start if you'd like. 
Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll go. Uh, number one, and I, I wish I didn't have to put these guys number one because they're annoying. They believe in true conspiracy theories. They call the FBI whenever <laughs> they think they're wrong. But I think it's Iowa State. Uh, you know, their fans show up in bigger numbers when they're losing than probably any other school. You know, I think every single program has proven if they're winning, fans come out and they're rowdy. But Iowa State, they still show up when they're the worst school, or maybe not school, but worst programs in the Big 12. They were the worst basketball team this year, yet Hilton still had a very good attendance. You know, they've they had their best season in probably a lot of Iowa State fans' life last season, winning like seven or eight games, whatever it was. And – uh, they're fill, they're filling that stadium even when they're not, you know, bowl eligible. They're getting fifty six, fifty seven thousand fans to come out and see them lose every week in Ames, Iowa. That's insane. I don't know another program in the Big Twelve that is going to have above eighty five percent capacity week in week out for a program like them. Number two, I am putting it at the our very own K State Wildcats. I think when it comes to schools that truly care about both sports. I think we're right up there. I think we're one of the best. We had that very long football sellout streak that went, I think, I think it got up past 35 games. Uh, Bramlage, even in years where we weren't playing well, we were up, up close to highest percent capacity. You know, I, I, I think we have some really great fans, and I think you're going to see two real rowdy venues for both sports this next year. Number three, this is where – you know, you really have to start digging. I'm going to go with uh, West Virginia. I got to experience their football stadium firsthand. You know, they get loud, they get rowdy, they get hostile. Uh, you know, they, you know, they, they bring it. And I think they, I haven't been there for a basketball game, but they really uh, seem to fill that arena. It's a pretty big arena as well. So I'm going to put them number three, number four. Oh, this is when it starts getting a little tricky. I can't. I, I, we answered this. One time before, and yeah. I can't really remember what I answered, but today I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Uh, I They are well known as one of the most disgusting and vile fan bases when it comes to football. And I think that when it comes to football, I think that really does play into it. It gives you a good home court advantage when they're really rolling, when they're rocking, when they have a good program, which they don't right now. Their football stadium will be look like a barren wasteland this year. But if you look back to those teams under Leach, those Crabtree teams, when they were at their peak, that was just crazy. I I love going back and seeing the highlights back uh, when they beat Texas and they rushed the field, and I think they were number three in the nation. I think at their peak, they're one of the best football stadiums. And then in basketball this year, they're filling it and they're routing. They're showing, hey, we can be basketball fans too. Uh, You know, that it might be a little high for them. But that's where I'm going to put them. Uh, next, I'm probably I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Uh, I think just football fans. I mean, I think they probably have game in, game out, the best home atmosphere for football. Uh, but then abysmal in basketball. I mean, they'll they'll yeah, come out. Terrible. They'll come out maybe once or twice a decade. Uh, you know, if if they had a basketball like uh, unlike Texas Tech, even at their peak, their basketball arena was nothing. If they had even one season as good as Texas Tech did this year, I might have had them as high as number two or three. Uh, just not going to go with this. This is another change from the first one because I thought about this a little bit. I am going to go KU next. 
for the exact inverse reason of Oklahoma. They are – it's probably the best basketball experience you can have this side of the Mississippi, as much as it pains me to say it. You know, it's a historical arena, the, you know, fabled pregame video. Uh, the, you know, it's not nearly – like, people want to talk about how loud it, it is. No, that's piped in music. It used to be loud. I used to go to games all the time uh, back when my mom had KU tickets. I got to experience Allen Fieldhouse at its true peak. And it makes Allen Fieldhouse now look like a library. But I still think that they have great fans. They have a ton of T-shirt fans, but, you know, they're good fans nonetheless. Uh, the next Oklahoma State, you know, they've never sold out that football stadium. I, you know, I, I, I think the first time we went through it, I put them uh, in front of KU, but they've never sold out that football stadium since they expanded. Gallagher-Iba, I went back and tried to find videos, even in recent years – when they had big games like versus KU with Brad Underwood and uh, back when we were ranked and going in there, it just, it's just, not, it's not loud. It's, it's just, you know, it's just not loud. It's also not uh, full. Like ever. Yeah, it's ne- never full since they expanded. Uh, Gottlieb wants to talk about how, Oh, they never should have expanded all this stuff. Uh, maybe that's true, but I, I've never, I've ne- I don't know what good Gallagher or Iba looks or sounds like. So they're there. And then, uh, I'm putting TCU in front of Baylor because TCU fans just as a whole are way more attractive than Baylor. <laughs> Baylor's last. Neither one of them ever have any sort of atmosphere. Uh, so that's that's how I round it out. All right. I'll try to answer this fairly quickly. Um, similar, actually pretty much the exact same, one through four. I've got Iowa State first for obvious reasons. They're always there even when they're garbage. I put West Virginia ahead of K-State at two. Um, but honestly, they could probably, probably flop back and forth. Um, but just because, and I think it's just relative to success. I think that they've probably been a little bit more consistently better than we have, um, in both sports. So obviously their fans are going to be there and they're going to be there more consistently. That's not unique to just like our fan base, you know, losing breeds, bad crowds, and that's fair. I don't punish. I wouldn't punish the team for that because Iowa State, in that respect, is unique. Most most fans tend to not show up when your team is ass. So, um, and even, that's even K State. You know, when we're bad, we tend to kind of kind of peter out a little bit. So, but when we're there, we're we're pretty we're pretty good consistently. Four, oh, man, I got to change this up. Looking at my list, it's I don't really agree with it anymore. Um, Four, I'm going to put OU um, because of their elite football atmosphere. You, I just realized that you did not rate Texas, Scott. Oh well, geez. But anyways, I, who cares? They they got to be towards is, the end, right? Texas is below KU, uh, but in front of the private schools. Yeah. I'll probably put them in front of Oklahoma State, just just because. Yeah, they, but, I mean, they're but, towards but the for end getting, for sure. For getting Texas is. Like not a thing. Like it's a wine and cheese football stadium. Exactly. It's nothing in basketball. I mean, the fact that I totally forgot. You know, for better or worse, the most important school in the conference tells you all you need to know about their fans. They're wine and cheese at the max. Exactly. Okay. Uh, I have, like you said, Oklahoma K are basically interchangeable for the reason that one of their programs is fan wise is like one of the most elite in the country, and the other one is pretty garbage. 
or non-existent. I have Tech at 7. Uh, I don't really know why. I feel like they're just kind of trash. And even when they were good in football, I feel like their stadium wasn't that intimidating. I've never been. I don't know if you've been, but I don't I know. I never felt in- worried about playing at their stadium because of their stadium. It was just because we match up horribly with Texas Tech. I might just be getting caught up in one of, like, for me, one of the most memorable Big 12 games that didn't include K-State. Yeah. I'm a prisoner of the moment. That one, I, I 100% could be completely overrating them just because of that one blackout game that I was obsessed with. But So, last bottom four, I've got Oklahoma State um, for the reason that, yeah, they've literally never once sold out their football stadium. And actually, we went to that game. It wasn't that loud, and there was a ton of K-State fans there. We were probably the most energetic in terms of like consistent noise. I just feel like stadiums like that, they're too open, um, don't really hold noise very well. And come on, sell out your stadium for God's sake. One yeah. time. One yeah, time. If you're going to expand it that big, you have to sell it out at least once. When people, when stupid K-State fans talk about, oh, we need to expand, oh, blah, 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 I would much rather create demand, create sellouts with a 50 and change than expanding like Oklahoma State did and never once selling it out. Yeah. Next, I'm going to go Texas um, because they've got the manpower. They've got the numbers. They should be able to be a very difficult place to play. A hundred thousand seater stadium. What is their basketball like? Twenty, something like that. They got to be able to do better than that. But you know, they're they're the richy rich uh, wine and cheese type, and it's never really difficult to play there. And then tied for last, I've got the Baylor TCU, and I I like your reasoning for putting TCU ahead of Baylor because their fans are ten times more attractive. Respectable people. Baylor is just scum. A terrible, terrible school. Terrible place to be. Waco's a dump. And there's my power rankings. I like it. So I think uh, I'm going to ask a couple questions. I want to make One a quick that... point on yes, Oklahoma State not selling out their stadium. People want us to expand. We don't have to expand and increase capacity. Look at what Iowa State or Iowa did to their north end zone. They completely remodeled it. It looks incredible. And then they actually lost a little bit of capacity. We could do that and create a better atmosphere while probably keeping the same amount of seating and capacity in our stadium. I think that's something maybe Gene should probably look into. I don't know if you saw that North End Zone project that they had at Iowa, but it's pretty legit. Yeah, I, I did, and I'm hoping that later this summer when Gene releases his all-facilities master plan, I hope to see something like that in the south end zone where we put in a skybox, do a little more luxury seating, get rid of those metal bleachers. And uh, I think if you're going for a next big football renovation, I think that's what I'd like to see. A suite above. Oh, that'd be so awesome to see, like a little bit, a little expansion in the south end zone. I would love that. Yeah. So I'll uh, kick it off. A question that we breezed over in the set list uh, (laughs) from at Clint Bradbury. I'd argue we didn't take advantage of recruiting after the 2010 Elite Eight run. How important is it to take advantage of this? And what type of guy should we be out recruiting? Well, Clint, I 100% agree with you. I don't think we did take advantage of that 2010 Elite Eight run. 
our two, our 2011 class was pretty underwhelming. We had Espria, Miles, Southwell, Spradling, and uh, Nino Williams. Three of those guys put in some pretty good shifts for us, Southwell, Spradling, and Williams. Um, can't underappreciate them. But And then 2012, we had DJ. Now, you made a good point last time we recorded this that that's uh, Frank was recruiting, but that's right around the time that Frank left. So can't really put too much weight on that class. You can't really tie it into the not not taking advantage of the uh, 2010 Elite Eight. But I would say this year we absolutely are. Um, according to really everyone, Bruce, um, he's saying, you know, recruits are talking to us now, and it's it's not us texting them. They're texting us. Um, they're all saying, and I'm not going to blow up KSO's spot. I'm sure people have already seen this anyways, but they do a real good job following recruiting just go check it out they're talking a lot about uh these dudes and how much more involved they're being after our kentucky win and getting into the elite eight but you know bruce has a pretty good track record with recruits i don't i feel like in his time here he's brought pretty decent talent i mean he's brought like four or five uh four stars i believe and then he's brought in foster and a one which were three stars but were obviously had super high ceilings and Foster was highly recruited, but he got a little bit fat, so people stopped following him. And we happen to stick with him, so it seems. And we've already we've already locked in Trice anyway, so it seems to me like we're taking advantage of it. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I mean, we're bringing in Williams as well, who's a borderline one fifty guy. Uh, we're almost exclusively attacking top one hundred talent for the two thousand nineteen class, and you know. Bruce does seem to bring in when he's getting full recruiting classes, at least one top 100, one uh, top 150 guy. So if you could bring in a class of like three of those top 150 guys in this 19 class, you know, I all of a sudden I think the narrative about Bruce as a recruiter really starts to change instead of, you know, him probably not getting the type of credit he deserves. So maybe even getting more credit than he deserves uh, because he's been out in front of everyone. He's been in these, on these 19 guys almost all season. So he has so much inroads where our rivals, uh, they've been focused on this class. So we'll I really think where we're, where we're going to see it is the 19 class. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And we really need to try to lock down that first commit for the 19 class this spring or summer to, you know, help springboard, get a couple more guys to sign on. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. And I think we will see that uh, bump in recruiting. Uh, so we'll go to Kate Wilms, Kate, the number eight Wilms. After Casey's dominance over Texas and baseball, should we expect to see the team claw back in the standings and win the big 12 this year? It would be no triple crown, but bowl win plus Elite Eight plus Big 12 championship for the Batcats would be nearly T-shirt worthy. <laughs> what say you? No. <laughs> I agree. I, I agree. Uh, if we were to somehow win the Big 12 in baseball, which I don't think we will, that can be its own T-shirt. I'm not going to clown on you for buying a bowl championship T-shirt. I'm not going to clown on you for buying an Elite Eight T-shirt. But if we somehow put out some sort of weird combo of the three, I would roll my eyes and I would just hope it doesn't go viral for being stupid. Yeah, I'm I'm not a t-shirt guy. Um, I think we tend to force that narrative a lot, but uh, it's a it's a no from me. 
<clears throat> All right, uh, from our from our friend at Chuck James nine one nine. What are your thoughts on the state of Olympic sports and baseball at K State? Should we accept or expect more? <laughs> I don't really know much about our Olympic sports slash baseball, but uh, I think it it never hurts to expect more from your program. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that K State. Uh, the way we run our athletic department, we should not be giving any coach of any of our non-revenue-generating sports any sort of guaranteed contract. I think they should always be on four-year contracts. If you're not going to postseason play at least two or three years out of four, then let the contract expire, get someone in, and keep cycling through until you find someone. Uh, I've been disappointed in the volleyball team. It's been a while since they've made any sort of real noise. The baseball team has been up and down, mostly down since that Big 12 championship. Uh, You know, tennis, golf, like all these random sports we don't seem to do too well. We seem to be doing okay in track and field. Uh, We've had some Olympians come through there. That's probably fine. Uh, I am real excited to see what Dabini can do with the soccer program. Uh, that first Big 12 season, yes, only beating KU isn't great, but almost every single game we were within a goal. I think they're close. I would love to see – if we were going to truly invest in one of these Olympic sports, I would hope it was soccer because, man, I would love to get that program up and running. And I don't know what you think. Maybe we should do a live pod from a soccer game this year. That'd be pretty fun. I'd love to go to a soccer game. And we should we should go to a baseball game too. But uh... Yeah, we- we probably should get out there. I mean, they are having a good season. Baseball games out at Toynton are fun. And, uh, you know, if you guys don't know, they're the Booze Cats. They sell beer at uh, baseball and soccer. So, you know, get a, a nice little 8-bit from Tallgrass. Enjoy the weather if it ever turns around and have fun out there supporting those teams as well. Agree. Soccer program probably needs some time. Um that guy's done a pretty damn good job, though. I mean, we're basically building from scratch. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was so that's gonna scratch. take that's gonna take time. Um, all right, next yeah, question from at Spoiser Twelve. It's baseball season. Grant, what would your walk-up song be? <laughs> oh man, I really don't know. Last time I said something absurd. Uh, it'd probably be like some Drake song, to be honest. But I think I said. Uh, Good morning, Black Friday from Megadeth, and you have to play every minute of it. Six minutes and 40 minutes. Six minutes, 40 seconds, or else I will refuse to bat if you don't see, play the whole song. That, that way, I, I would love to see that happen. I would love to see Every single baseball, time. <laughs> baseball player just walked off the field because they cut it off. Um, those of you who know me well know my answer to this. Uh, it's Hero by Enrique Iglesias. I think it's the best song ever made. Uh, it's a passionate song. I want to be the hero for my team. I think it's uh, – I, I, I just think it's the perfect song, and I want to hear it for every occasion in the world. That was the best so. part about Nashville probably for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. FGL House. FGL House. Some guy – I have it on my phone, I think. The best cover of Hero I've ever heard in my life. We just go up, you give them a couple bucks, and they'll play whatever song. He's just like, Hero, for real? And I was like, yeah. And this guy just – Crushes oh it. Oh my god! I, 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 I would buy a fifteen dollars CD where all it is is that song. I, oh man, just amazing. Just, uh, I, I love that Nashville trip outside of the obvious. 
Yeah. But I'll move, I'll move on from that before I go down a spiral of sadness. Uh, our guy, Johnny underscore Appleseed, a question from the first pod that we decided to wait until now. Grant, I want to hear you first rank your top five Kansas City non-Boulevard breweries. Okay. Number one, Double Shift. It's my favorite by far. I went there last night. Uh, got a Sister Abbey. It was delicious. Whew. It's just a great little brewery, always putting out experimental beers, cycling their beers out pretty much every month. Um, that's my number one. Number two, hmm, Martin City Brew, Brewing Company. I don't like how far away it is, but it, it's it had the best beers by far that I've had aside from Double Shift. It was really good, and they had good pizza. Um, three Torn Label. Great beers. Four, I'd probably say Stockyard. Stockyards, and then five. This is tough. Um, I have KC beer because I, I I like a good German style beer, but I don't know if that's my five anymore because they're all very similar, lager styles. So I don't know. I might have to think of another fifth. Um, maybe Casual. What is what's is that one? Yeah, Casual. Animal. Casual Animal. I need to. I need to go visit there, though. So I'll just say Casual Animal. I'll give a shout out to them because it was it was good that beer that you've the beers that you've had me taste. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, with your shift to Casual Animal being your top five, we have the same top five, uh, in just in a different order for me. Double Shift number one. I think it's unequivocally the best brewery in Kansas City right now. They have the best rotation of different styles, so experimental. Good yet they still have their classics that Abby sister, Abby, the Belgian, uh, you know, it's almost always on tap and it's awesome along with the river pirate. I mean, they, they just, they're putting out some of the best stuff. Number two, I did put casual animal, a great portfolio for a, uh, brewery that just opened up 11 beers on tap. They have a good balance of multi beers, hoppy beers, uh, funky beers. You know, they, they do a really good job. My number three stockyard, uh, you know, they don't rotate through as much, but they're, they have a good portfolio ar- across different styles and all of them are just classic, clean tasting beers. And I, I love being down in that part of town. I like the West bottoms. Uh, the golden ox is reopening right next door. You know, I think that's a up and coming area. I, you know, I think that's one that folks probably don't get down to as much as they probably should. Number four, Martin city. I agree with you. If they were closer they might be higher. It is uh, you know, really good. If, especially since I live all the way up in, uh, you know, the North Town. That I think it takes like four. It would take me like forty minutes to drive down there. Yeah, uh, and it's like you know, it's, I could almost get to Topeka in the <laughs> amount of time it takes me to get to Martin City. Uh, they do distribute though, so that's good. Uh, I, I I pick up six packs at High V all the time. Then number five, Torn Label, uh, kind of like a weird small tap room and a in the yeah. industrial side it's on tiny. the back end of crossroads uh and yeah I, i'm very heavy with the crossroads beers i need to do a little bit better of the north kansas city breweries there's a ton opening up uh and we we visit them a couple times i think we kind of need to give them another go but kansas city's beer Maybe we should go today see we <laughs> might do that after we get off the pod i might i i got nothing to do well, we'll Maybe we can we'll go to North Kansas City. <laughs> we might do that. Uh, uh, staying on the beer question, C Rob underscore 09. 
What's your favorite summer beer to drink? Ugh. Uh, this is hard. I I'll probably get shit for this, but I'm gonna, I love Blue Moon a lot. Yeah. I really oh, love Blue man. Moon. I just feel like it's always good for me. It's always consistently good, especially when it's like warm outside. But I, it's it's not something that I'm like. Uh, I gotta have a blue moon. It's nice out. I'm cycling out beers constantly, and I'm never really drinking the same thing, especially in the summer. So I don't know. That was just the first thing that came to mind. I don't think that, I, I don't think I've fair. ever actually bought Blue Moon unless it was like at a bar <laughs> on tap. Like now that I think about it, I rarely get Blue Moon. So, what about you? Uh, so the the first one that came to mind, and it really for me was, what do I want to drink when it's like ninety five out and I'm going to a ball game at Coffin Stadium, ninety five degrees? I I always go eighty acre. You can get it a couple different places inside Coffin Stadium. You know, it's a good balance of light crispy wheat with the hops. Uh, you know, that, that, that's the first thing that came to mind, but I agree with you. I almost never order or buy the same beer multiple times. I cycle through a lot, but no, that's just the one that came to my mind. I would probably buy Boulevard wheat if I'm being honest, if I was going to like a ball game or yeah, like some sort of light, like Bud Select or something, but um, I don't know. <laughs> that's fair. Um, the last question I'll ask before I let you finish it off from our guy, at Dodge Casey, how excited are you on a scale one to ten on the prospect of Patrick Mahomes starting the season for the Chiefs? I'm excited, honestly, um, and I don't really care that much all about the Chiefs. Um, you know, I like them. I watch them pretty much every game, but I don't get too invested. I'm not like on the same level as like in the Chiefs as I do K State. I don't ever have a meltdown over the Chiefs, but. Um, so I'd say my baseline watching the Chiefs is maybe a four or five out of ten in terms of excitement. This is probably to take me to a seven. I mean, just seeing seeing Mahomes in person in Manhattan was was pretty great. The dude is talented. I'm excited to see if he can take the Chiefs to the next level. What about you? Yeah, I think any given Chiefs season, like like you said, for me now at this point in my life, I would go into every season around a five or six. Patrick Mahomes takes me up to like eight or nine. The guy, the things this guy can do, he can spin the ball. That game versus Denver got me so excited for this year. I think Alex Smith doesn't get the type of credit for how many games he won uh, at Kansas City. But if you were an anti-Alex guy, Patrick Mahomes is the exact opposite. He is a gun slinger. He's probably going to turn the ball over a little more, but he can uncork it 80 yards just in his sleep. Uh, I'm super excited for it. And, uh, you know, I, I think you and I, we need to get out to Chiefs game where it isn't like 20 degrees out. I agree. Um, yeah, and how can you not be excited about, like, just a swaggy quarterback? It's, it's I'm excited. It, it'll be fun. We'll, we'll go to a warm game. We need to hit an afternoon game. <clears throat> All right, moving on uh, to our last few questions. This one's for you because I have no idea. From M at M underscore holiday, I would like to know your thoughts on the Royals' current rebuild strategy. Should they have tried to accelerate the process by tanking, or is GMDM on to something with their current plan of trying to stay competitive? Any changes you would make if you were the GM? Yeah, I, I think that the Royals have handled this 
so poorly. I'm of the belief in professional sports, if you do not think you have a realistic shot of making the playoffs, you should tank. And the Royals were in a position where they didn't even have to, you know, be, you know, lose integrity doing it. Just cycle in the mediocre prospects that we did have and just let them learn. You know, that's what we did the first time. I don't think we have the prospects that you let them learn. They'll eventually win at this level. But instead, we went out. We got all these one-year contracts. We were trying to, you know, straddle the line of rebuilding compete. It hasn't been going great. We're sitting at like two and four through our first six games. Uh, you have some contracts of some guys. I don't really understand why you did. We're, we're leaving our best prospect, Mondesi, down in the minors. We DFA'd Zimmer. We DFA'd Almonte. Some guys that they might as well have been on the major league roster and really see what their potential can be instead of letting them walk. That really was frustrating for me. Uh, all in all, I, I don't like what they're, they're doing. I would love it if we could sit here and do, do a summer episode a couple months from now and come back and say, well, holy crap, the Royals are doing well. We're not a Royals podcast, but good for them. I would love I would love to be wrong. I would love for them to compete for the wild card. I just don't see it, and I think if you're not going to do it, you might as well go all in with some young guys, but that's just me. All right. I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Final two questions from my personal real-life best friend and good friend of the pod, Matthew underscore D underscore Hall. The man, the myth, the legend at K-State Online. Guys, go check them out. They're great. They put out the best K-State content for your money, in my opinion. You'd be stupid to not not be subscribing at this point. Okay, question number one. What is the best video game console of all time? Scott, do you have yeah, any so opinions on this? A, yeah, so I'm not a major video game guy. I, ha- I don't currently have a system that I fire up very often. But my choice is going to be Xbox 360 for the pure reason that that's when I was playing games the most. I I upgraded to that when college football uh, started being put out in HD. I had an HDMI cable. You could upload music so you could have them playing songs inside the game, inside the stadium. Uh, and then that's when I really got into FIFA. You and I on good old 1421 Yuma back in Manhattan, Kansas. Many a nights we would uh, have some drinks and – enjoy the game and of course we're over the age of 21 but we 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 play that game until like three or four in the morning you know just having having a great time so i i've probably put the most hours in on xbox 360 i you know i had the playstation one playstation two but when i was at my high when i really loved playing some of those sports games was on 360 uh what what are the best consoles for your money i don't know you know i've actually been literally just been playing this whole time I'm playing Battlefield right now and this morning I added I added good old Matt Hall. So we might be playing here soon. I'm gonna have to get into Fortnite. Uh I don't know, man. I, I like a lot of stuff. I will do some shout I shout out to Nintendo, the OG, who had some of the best games of all time, you know, Mario, all that good stuff. I like Nintendo GameCube. I think it gets no respect. I think the N64 was absolute trash. I hate that console. Uh, PS1 was like my first actual system when I started playing. And we I played Crash Bandicoot, and that's what was like... I got into video games really after then, or after that. 
Currently, I don't know, the best system is probably just like the newest and one that puts out the most games at this point. So Xbox One or PS4. I don't know. They're all good. I'm playing Battlefield. I've just been sniping for the last hour trying to focus on this podcast. Just getting <laughs> some getting headshots and having a great time. So I don't know. Next question. And this is a great question from Mr. Matt Hall again. <laughs> <laughs> Is it weird that my <clears throat> is it weird that my seven year old son, while playing me in Fort while watching me play in Fortnite, said, "Chase that guy down and make sure he never sees his wife or family again, because he would be dead." Get it? <laughs> How concerned should I be? <laughs> oh man, I I don't know. I, I at that age probably not very concerned. It's a video game. It, when this came through, it made me laugh. It's still making me laugh. I, I think you're probably okay. Yeah, I think no concern at all. It's an elite mentality that you need for, for Fortnite. You gotta, you gotta have that killer mentality. Killer be killed, Scott. That's that's what you gotta believe. Hey, I, I, I'm on board. I'm on board. Well, guys, that wraps up part two of the Q and A. Thanks for sending in all your questions. We're probably gonna do a Q and A once a month. Um, is that right? I don't know. Yep, we're, we're, I think we're going to try to do that at least in the off season. Once football and basketball start up, I'm not sure how feasible it'll be to do. We'll definitely a take Q&A. questions. Yeah, yes, but... we're we're going to take some questions. I hopefully almost every pod. Yes, uh, but a full Q and A pod. Uh, we'll, we'll see what our schedules allow. You know, an an extra pod like this. Uh, you know, it, it it might be feasible. I don't know what how we're going to record remotely after we move on to real equipment. Uh, it could be something that we fire something off just you know on a random Thursday night, uh, but we'll we'll see. But at least you know May, June, July, and August we're going to have these full length, maybe two parters, maybe just one long episode uh, Q and A pods. I had a lot of fun doing these. I hope you guys enjoyed listening and asking questions. Yeah. Uh, well- We'll definitely do the Q&A again. Send in more questions. Literally ask whatever you want. We'll probably answer everything. We, um, we didn't turn down a single question. No, we did not. Actually, we missed one, but it's from the – I got a question. I'll, I'll answer another one, and we, we can answer this one if you want. It's the from the Wook 33. We took it a while okay. ago. We have totally forgot about it. Um, shout out to the Wook 33. Who's your favorite and least favorite KU player of all time? Wow, so end, ending the I know, pod I know. On, it's kind of messed up, but uh, that's fine. we did forget that question. That, that's true, and we, we want to make sure that we truly do answer all the questions. Uh, so my favorite, uh, I mean, if, if you're going like all-time favorite KU, I actually really like Billy Thomas back in the day. That's like an old-school pick. He played on some of those real elite uh, Roy Williams teams. Uh, and then if you want to go a little more uh, – Newer era, I would say Joel Embiid. I mean, he hardly played at KU, but he's just like an elite NBA guy, and he's super funny. Uh, so those are my favorite. Least favorite, hated the Morris Twins. I didn't like Thomas Robinson. Uh, you know, I didn't like uh, Relaford. I, I just uh. kind of popped in my head. I really didn't like him. He's just an ugly toenail-looking dude. Uh, <laughs> um I didn't like Tyler Self. Screw that guy. Like, how can such a beta boy come from one of the most elite coaches in the game? Oh, my God. That's a good uh, question. They cannot be related for real. I, yeah, I, that can't really be Bill's kid. Uh, you know, I, I there's a ton of guys that, you know, I 
I don't, didn't really like. I mean, I'll give a shout out real quick to Sean Collins. He was a baller, uh, but also a deviant, borderline rapist. Uh, <laughs> but you know, he he played good ball. Uh, you know, I, I think a guy who gets way too much hate from KU players that was really good, Tyshawn Taylor. Uh, oh my god, I hated him. Yeah, I, and you know, whatever. I thought he was way better than KU fans gave him credit. That's just my takes. Uh, not a KU pod. I'm done. Not a KU pod. Not a KU pod. I don't have any uh, favorite KU players. I just have players that I he- hated less than others, probably. Embiid, for sure, that's a good shout, just because he was like a big, cute African guy who's really funny on Twitter. Uh, least favorite? Akeem Tlaib. Fuck that guy. I oh, hate him so much. Oh, God. Um, also a horrible human. Another horrible human. Horrible human. Yeah. Bad guy. All-around bad guy. Basically... Like everyone that's around him in that place. Also, screw Nick Reed. That cheap shot that he took uh, back, I think, in the 09 game. What a. Di- oh, God. Uh, I, we need to stop talking about this. Yeah, yeah, Otherwise, yeah. we're going to go. What's, on our for future, an hour. what's our future offseason looking like? Just future run through it real quick. Uh, I'm gonna, I think we're, hopefully we're going to get some fun interviews. I don't want to put any names out there because we don't have anything committed. But I do think it's safe to say at some point we're going to have a Bosco's Boys and KSO crossover show Yes, at some point this summer. I think I we're think also today. going to get some ex-players, probably both football and basketball. Yep, we're going to try really hard. We're not going to put any names out there because there isn't any 100% commitments, but there's some stuff in the works. Uh, maybe some people inside the athletic department. Uh, and we'll just put this out there on the record. Our, our dream interview, Gene Taylor. We know you listen to the pod. Uh, we hope we can get our <laughs> schedules to work. It would be elite to get you on. Uh, that, that's the dream guest for you guys this summer. Uh, may, maybe some other people from K-State Media, Cough, Cough, K-Dog. I actually have a different dream guest, but I'm not going to put it out there because I want to shock the world when it happens. Oh, yes. We're going to shock that, the world. We will shock the world with that guest. Um, we, we teased it at some point this summer. Grant wants to do it a little quicker than I do. Eventually, we will Ooh. nail down the date, but we will do the Bill Snyder football, fantasy football uh, draft between the two of us. I want to wait a little deeper into the summer so we have something. That's fine. We can wait. Teasing. It, uh, eventually, we will have that. Might be the best off-season pod we ever have. Uh, you know, like we said, some more Q and A qu- uh, pods. There might be, you know, some old school games that we sit down and watch and do a reaction pod. I mean, if there's a game out there on YouTube or on any website that you would love us to watch, break down, do a reaction to, uh, that would be awesome. For me, that 98 game versus Nebraska, I would love to go back, watch that, and then tape a pod immediately after with you. Uh, you know, maybe the Xavier game, uh, you know, for that, from that 2010 run. Uh, you know, that those are just some ideas. If you guys have any ideas for us, feel free to send them in. If we use any of your ideas – we, you might eventually get a free Bosco's Boys koozie if we ever get those bought. Um, we'll, <laughs> we'll get we'll something. We're going to have some merch that we're going to Yeah, gonna we'll have some merch. Distribute. Um, and, we'll, but... and we'll have some prizes later. Oh, also, I'll throw this out there. We will have ticket giveaways this offseason. We will 100% have some football ticket giveaways. Uh, we don't know how we're going to do it yet. It will be some sort of contest. It will be some sort of uh, interaction but there will be some ticket giveaways. We might have some basketball tickets when that season gets kicked off. Uh, but, you know, stay tuned. I think we're going to have a lot of fun this summer. 
yes, we will we will have plenty of fun in this offseason. That's what it's going to look like. Guys, thanks for the question. We're going to wrap it up. This is Grant underscore KSU with at Scott Wildcat. Thank you for listening. Love you guys. Bye. Podcast Network.